Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Dana Osman, here with my friend, Chavruta and Gordon. Our daf today, Masachat Rosh Hashanah, daf Chav Aleph, page 21. I'm actually going to start a little bit on the previous daf. And the Gemara starts to get into a discussion about what happens when you have communities or, you know, places that basically didn't hear about when Rosh Chodesh was, and what do they do about actually figuring out about when the festivals are going to happen? And I think this gets into something that we mentioned two podcasts ago, that, like, Today, we have like calendars and, you know, everything's printed and, you know, you can go on your computer and Google a Hebrew date five years ago or 10 years ago and figure out an English date or when anything is going to be. Everything is. I do that for all you. the time. I do it but, all the time. Right. But but this this is really not how this functions. So they're really giving us like a real life thing that happened that sometimes people were never told when Rosh Chodesh actually happened. And, and, and what, what what would you do about that? So I'm starting at the bottom of the of 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 Daf Chav Amud Bet. I'm a Rabbi Zera. I'm a Rabbi Nachman. So Rabbi Zera said in the name of Rabbi Nachman, "Kol Speka Lakame Shadina." If we ever if we have a doubt, we basically move forward. Lemeimar the Chamasar Bishtistar Avdina. So that means we would observe the fifteenth and sixteenth of Nisan. In other words, because you weren't sure when Rosh Chodesh was, so you would basically this is what two day Yantik basically is, right? So you would observe the 15th and 16th of Nisan and Tishrei as Yom Tov. Arvisar Lotin, but we would never make it earlier. So that, that's basically what the Chiddush is here. So we know that the first day of Yom Tov needs a Pesach and, and, and Sukkot both fall out on, on the 15th of Nisan or Tishrei respectively. And that basically what he's saying is that we don't know which day the Bezdin declared it to be Rosh Chodesh. So we just observe this extra day of Yom Tov. You know, we, we do the next day. That's the idea of sort of doing it forward. And this is basically Yom Tov Shani. This is what we basically do. The Gemara then says, So it says, okay, but also observe the 14th. Maybe that month of Av, right, the month before Tishrei, um, and, and Elo, maybe they were actually, uh, maybe they were deficient. Now, uh, you know, and so maybe we don't really know, you know, maybe it's the earlier day. So the Gemara says, Tre Chasirei. If two consecutive months were deficient, kala if lehu, they have a voice. In other words, it becomes very, very public, right? And uh, and everybody would know. So w- what exactly does that mean? So we mentioned before yesterday that there was sported, you know, supposed to be this pattern of like full, you know, a short month, full, a short month. So if a bezdin makes, you know, shvat or av, both s- small months, which is basically shvat is two months before Nisan and Av is two months before Tishrei. This would sort of get around uh, 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 to everybody, right? That it was that it was that it was short, and and then it would certainly you could calculate from there, uh, you know, that Elul would have to basically be long. So I, I th- that's how we understand that. Levi Ikale or or other would have to be long. Levi Ikale Lebabel Bechadzar Tishrei. So then we have the story that Levi once went to Bubble on the eleventh of Tishrei. Right, which means it's the day after Yom Kippur because Yom Kippur is on the tenth. And he said the dish of the Babylonians is sweet on the great day of Yom Kippur of the of the West, meaning what? That he was basically saying that the Babylonians were observing the eleventh of Tishrei. Right, was the day that in Eretz Yisrael they were observing Yom Kippur because the court had actually made Elul um, full. And whereas it seemed clear that in Bubble they had actually thought 
that Elul was deficient, was, was a shorter month. Amrilei Asiheid. So the Babylonians basically said to him, Asiheid, testify, right? Let us know that the court made the month full and we'll know, we'll say that it's actually Yom Kippur today. We'll stop eating right away. Okay. So he said to them, I actually didn't, you know, really hear it directly um, from, from them, uh, from them. So therefore he couldn't actually testify uh, that, that Tishrei, uh, that Tishrei was, was sanctified 10 days earlier because he wasn't at the courthouse that day and he didn't actually hear it. And we're going to talk more about that. That comes up a little bit more in Amud Bed where it talks about how the messengers, and you're going to get into this, you know, would go out for the month of Tishrei. They couldn't do, leave the messengers until they actually heard the court say that it was Makadesh. Um, then the Gemara goes, goes on again. Machri's Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan announces, any place where messengers of Nisan reach, below Matu Shluchai Tishrei. But the messengers of Tishrei can't reach, Labdu Tre Yome. You have to observe Yom Tov for two months. Gezeira Nisan Atu Tishrei. So the decree of Nisan was made because of an error with Tishrei. So what Rabbi Yochanan is talking about here is that because there were more days of Yontif before Sukkot started, you had the two days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. <coughs> Messengers sometimes could not get there in time for Tishrei. So therefore, he said, Tishrei, basically, because you don't, you're not always sure that messengers are going to get there in time, if, if that's the case, that it's, you're living in a place where the messengers always get there, you should always be keeping two days. And basically, we're going to do the same for Nisan because of the possible error uh, for, for Tishrei. Even though in the diaspora communities, they may have known the correct day, but we're just going to do again that you have to do two-day Yom Tov. So again, another source of this again. And so then they tell a story of basically Rabbi Aviu Bar Nagre and Rabbi Chia Bar Abba, who once went to a place and it was one of those places where they would get there for Nisan, but not get there for Tishrei. And they were only doing one day of Yom Tov for Pesach because they had the correct day, right? And these visitors didn't say anything to them. Rabbi Yochanan heard about this and he got very, and he gets very angry with them. And then finally, one last story is Rabbi Abba Ragil to Abba Yati Betanita Treyome is that Rabbi actually used to fast for two days on Yom Kippur, right? Because he was living in the diaspora. But one time it was found out because one time it actually turned out that the second day that he fasted was actually the correct day of Yom Kippur. So we see that Rava actually used to do that. And then finally they end, you know, just for the sake of time, I won't do it. There, there's one last story with Rav Nachman, who also, he was fasting a whole day of Yom Kippur basically, and then Orta Ata Hahu Gabra at night when he was just about to break his fast, somebody comes to him and Amarle, Rabba And he actually says to him, Rab Nachlan, actually tomorrow is Yom Kippur. And so Amarle me <coughs> so he says to him, Where are you from? Amarle me Daham me Damharya. He says, I'm from Damharya. Amarle Dan Tehe Achrita. So he does like a plan word and he says to this visitor, blood will be on his end. In other words, He's making him almost like lose his life that Rav Nachman now is going to actually have to fast for two days. Kari L.A. And so and then he quotes a pasuk here um, from Kohela from chapter four, verse 19. Kalim Hayu Rodfenu, our pursuers were swept. But the idea here is that this is really just a series of stories that shows us that actually it was not so simple uh, when these dates fell out. There were communities that did not find out in time. And so there was an attempt to assure, we, we're really seeing here sort of what the origin is of why two-day Yantav was done, because it really was solving a real problem, that there were communities that the messengers could not, you know, uh, 
get out in time. And, and particularly the story with Rava, who kept two days of Yom Kippur, I could imagine if you celebrated Yom Kippur on one day and then you actually found out that you did it on the wrong day, yeah, you probably would want to start to be careful and keep two days of Yom Kippur. So I, overall, I just thought this was a really interesting real-life passage of how some of these things really, you know, were, were played out in, in actual life. I'm struck by the importance given to the holidays, meaning, which I suppose makes sense because we talk about the holidays all the time and how many Jews keep holidays and don't keep daily stuff, you know, but I don't know, like the fact that they're juggling the calendar and, and kind of, we know this, we know that it's rigged, but, and it's rigged for the sake of the holidays, but here to see it unfold in exactly this way, you know, Nissan for Tishrei and Tishrei for Nissan, um, I think that it highlights the importance that these holidays play in the, I want to say the life cycle, not just the calendar cycle, because otherwise it would just be another day that happens to have extra different things on it. Um, And it seems to have a bigger place in that to the extent that we're going to make sure that the calendar, you know, accommodates it in a way that is helpful for people or, or the like. Okay. Um, I'm actually moving to Amabet and and on Amabet, we have two separate Mishnayot, so we're kind of leaving aside some of this discussion, but also we're still talking about the months and Rosh Chodesh in particular. Um, and so I'll present, I guess, both the Mishnah and a tiny bit of Gemara on both. Al Shnei Chodeshim Machalin et Shabbat. So the Gemara says pretty, I'm sorry, here I'm talking about the Mishnah. And the Mishnah says pretty clearly that you can only, witnesses who see Rosh Chodesh, who see the new moon in the sky, can only be Machal Shabbat. They can only desecrate the Shabbat for two months for their travel to Jerusalem, let's say, if they needed to get there. Um, as And namely, specifically, Al Nisan Val Tishrei, Shebehen Shluchin Yotzin Lusuria, Uvehen Metaknin Etamoadot. So we've already now discussed it. Your Daniel, you just kind of, you know, got onto this whole point. But the fact is that any other month, there's, we can't say that there's no significance to the having the correct date of Rosh Chodesh, but the implications are much greater when you're talking about Tishrei and Nisan because of the messengers going out to make the announcements for the sake of the holidays. Um, okay. The, the practical implications for messing up the day of Rosh Chodesh when there was a temple standing and there were different karbanot that were offered were much greater. Now, the biggest difference is, did you say Mosaf when you shouldn't have, or did you not say Mosaf when you should have? Did you bench with Yala Viyava when you shouldn't have? Did your davening have Yala Viyava when it shouldn't have? Or, you know, again, the reverse. But if you're offering a korban, right, you're slaughtering an animal on the Mizbeach, several, many animals for the sake of the day, and the day is not the day, or you should be doing so because it really is Rosh Kodesh, that is a much bigger practical difference. And it makes much more sense, of course, than the witnesses would still would then be obligated to break Shabbos for the sake of getting to the Beit HaMikdash, to getting to the Sanhedrin, really, for the sake of the details that would then be carried out in the Beit HaMikdash. So the Gemara continues the same question, I guess, on these on Nisan and Tishrei. Meaning, why not the rest of them? And so the Gemara answers from Inu, we have a contradiction from a previous Mishnah. Didn't we say that the that there's six months of the year that the messengers go out, meaning not just those two months? And so Abai is going to come to resolve this. 
on every month the messages go out to tell you to tell people that it's Rosh Chodesh coming. The real difference is that in Nisan and Tishrei, the messengers did not go out until they heard, you know, the final stamp of approval that yes, this day it was Rosh Chodesh from the Beit Din that would say Mikudash, it is sanctified, right? That the new moon is sanctified, and only then would they leave. So the idea that there's more riding on those two months um, is also present even in that practice because they needed to to wait to make sure that it actually happened. Again, the ramifications of getting it wrong are much greater. Um, okay, there's more discussion on this Gemara about exactly, you know, the evening, when they would leave out, go out in the evening. And there is discussion about the question of being a Machal Shabbat for the sake of Rosh Chodesh. But I'm going to now jump in the interest of time. I'm going to jump to the next Mishnah. Ben shnir ba'alil. Ben shalonir ba'alil. So if it's the time that you would be whether it's for Nisan or Tishrei in our day, meaning not our day at all, in the time when they would do Kedusha Chodesh al-Pira'iyah, that they would do it on the virtue, they would sanctify the new moon on the virtue by virtue of witnesses, but the Beit HaMikdash was not standing at that time. So then the question is, can they, was the new moon seen, you know, clearly, Ba'alil means in a clear way, that it was very, Obvious that, that is what they were seeing. What if you didn't see it so clearly? Could you still be Machal Shabbat? And the answer is either way, they would desecrate Shabbat for to, for whatever it is that it's a kind of month that you would desecrate Shabbat. Then you would still rush yourself to the to testify. I'm sorry to testify at the Beitin, um, even if you didn't see it clearly. Rabbi Yossi says if the moon and this is kind of it's almost counterintuitive and then it makes so much sense. If the moon was clearly seen, then you don't desecrate Shabbos. You don't, you're not Machal Shabbat because you can presume that there were witnesses who were closer to the Beit Din who wouldn't have to desecrate Shabbat to get there that also saw it. Because if it was a not cloudy night, let's say, clear, you know, clear as a bell, everybody could see everything, then you can presume that other witnesses would have seen this and you don't have to be the one to rush there. As opposed to if it was not clear, then what if? Or if it was, you know, half and half, you're not really sure if it's clear, if it's cloudy, whatever, then where you are, it might be clear, but somewhere else it might be cloudy. So then you would rush to get there. That same question, I suppose, is still possible, right? Meaning, what if it's clear in the north of Israel and it's cloudy in Jerusalem, and then maybe the people should have got rushed to get themselves there anyway, right? But it's it's considered not necessary with the presumption, perhaps also because really Israel is quite small and the weather is not that divergent from dis- different places, certainly not in the sky. Um, okay, the Mishnah continues. Masesh avru yoter zug Rabbi Akiva So what happens? There were 40 pairs of witnesses, meaning 80 people uh, were going to Jerusalem to tell the Beitin about the new moon. And Rabbi Akiva stopped them in Lod, meaning telling them, like, you don't have to go. You're, you're being Machal Shabbat for no good reason. Everybody going is not the way, is not the way to do this. Shalach lo Rabban Gamliel. Rabbi Gamliel says to Rabbi Akiva, uh-uh, ima kivata et harabim nimtseta machshilin latid lavo. Rabban Gamliel has a really important point. And he says, if you stop the people who are, like, willing to get up and go and come testify about Rosh Chodesh, then what's going to happen in the future is that they're going to say, oh, other people are going. I don't need to go. And then what happens when then nobody goes and that will mess everybody up in the future. 
Meaning, don't stop any witnesses who are willing to go, even if they're Shabbat. We're not counting the points, you know, how many violations of Shabbat did it take to get all of these witnesses to the to the Beit Din. That's not the way it works. Each and every witness has a com- incumbent upon them the obligation to break Shabbat for the sake of getting to the Beit, to the, to the Beit Din, especially if there's a Beit HaMikdash involved in the Korbanot, to make sure that everybody knows what's going on then, right? Okay, so now the Gemara, and I think this is very interesting, focuses on the word alil. The Gemara does more, but we're going to focus on that for this the, to end our daf here. My mashma dahai alil, which we said means, you know, it's a very clear night. Lishna demiglehu is it a word that means that it's revealed, right? That it's, it doesn't exactly mean clear as much as revealed. Amar Biabal, Amar Kra, Rabbi Abel has a verse to support this from Tehillim, Perk Yudbet. Imrot Hashem amarot tohorot kesef tsaruf ba'alil la'eretz muzukak shivatayim. So the verse in Tehillim says, the words of God are pure words, refined silver in sight, meaning in clear sight, that's ba'alil, it's just so starkly evident. And then it says, purified, that it's purified seven times, which means Rav Shmuel Chad Amar. So the, they debate what does this verse mean? Chad Amar Chamishim Sharei Vina Nivru Ba'Olam V'Kulan Nitnu L'Moshe Chaser Chad Shnemar V'Tachzereu Maat Melokim. So the question then is the the Gemara goes on to talk about this. What does this mean? Purified seven times. So Rav and Shmuel disagree about. Not exactly this verse, but about the idea that we have different, we have 50 gates of understanding. All of them, says the, the Gemara, were given to Moshe except for one, meaning only 49. And there it says specifically, they, they bring this verse to say the words of, of Hashem were purified seven times, meaning seven times seven, which gets you 49. And then the Gemara goes on to say, with another verse from Tehillim, that you're just a little bit lower than. Hashem, because, you know, he only got 49 as opposed to 50 of them. And so the Gemara goes on, you know, paying attention to these verses. But I think it's interesting that the Gemara does not get involved in this question about, like, the story between Rabbi Kiva and Rabban Gamliel theoretically could have, you know, demanded extra discussion. And instead, it really, it gets a tiny bit at the top of tomorrow's stuff, but really, for the most part, that's not what's interesting to the Gemara, what's because because it's so clear, right? It's such a clearly good. It's an it's an important argument to make, and it's accepted. And then, as opposed to this discussion of Baalil, which is a term that is not common, and therefore, even though it means clear, needs to be clarified. Yeah, I found that so interesting that there's like a language term that they're not actually sure what it's about, um, you know, and that even like within their own language, they want to like make sure, are we interpreting this the right way? But we do see this sometimes that there are words used that then they come to want to be like, you know, saw this a lot with food descriptions, like what's the actual meaning of that word and can we prove it from somewhere else? Right. Yes, indeed. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rankus Reviews and All Major Podcasts. Major. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff and our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.